Welcome to Morning Soap. At Fusion Church, our desire is that every believer would not just attend church, but also hear from God daily through His Word. As we read the Bible, we begin to see how God responds to things. Doing daily devotions repatterns the way we think, transforms the spirit of our mind, and helps us become more like Jesus. Join us here, Monday through Friday, as various pastors and leaders at Fusion Church share devotion and teaching through that day's soap scripture. Download the current soap reading plan at fusionchurch.cc soap. All right, well, good morning, everyone. I hope you all are having a great week so far as we are journeying through. Um, man, we are here on Thursday, August 3rd. Is it August already? Like, I was, I thought the soap card was wrong. I was like, how is it August already? Uh, time has just gone by this year so fast. Um, but man, so we are jumping into Ruth chapter three today. Ruth chapter three. Um, Ruth's one of those uh, amazing stories, little little gems of the Bible, if you will. Um, and uh, you know, when we dive into this, I kind of really want to say, um, as we look at the character of Boaz and what he, what he's doing in this part of the story, um, I want you to look at it as a type and a foreshadow of Jesus. Because it, it, it very much is. He's a type and a foreshadow of Jesus. And so when we put on the lens uh, of Christ as we look through this story, you really just see so much of like his character portraying and showing in a small town way what really God is doing uh, through Christ uh, all over and through everybody's life and heart. Um and so it's a really uh, it's a really good deep dive into into that. And so we're going to be reading into a Ruth chapter three. Um, let's pray uh, and then let's get into the word and see what God has for us today. Uh, in that, um, Father, we just come to you this morning with our hearts and minds open, uh, Lord, as we dive into this uh, little story of Ruth here and Boaz. Um, and really kind of see the beginnings of uh, of really a, a way of the personality and the love and um, the care and tenderness and also strength that your son Jesus is. We see this through Boaz. Lord, I just pray that uh, we take something home today. We take something uh, into our hearts that lets us just portray you even more that uh we get to be a mirror, Lord, that we can just, just shine your light, that we can shine um, the name of Jesus wherever we go as we head to work today, as we um, uh, take care of our families, as we raise our kids, as we uh, are with, uh, if we're leaders, Lord, as we lead others, uh, whether that be at work or at church, uh, and as we lead our families, Lord, we just pray that uh, you continue to just teach us and guide us. Uh, surrender myself to you as uh, I do, Lord, that this be your word and not my own. And we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. All right. Um, let's dive into Ruth chapter three. Uh, I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. Um, all right. Verse one. One day Naomi said to Ruth, my daughter, it's time that I found a permanent home for you so that you will be provided for. Boaz is a close 
relative of ours, and he's very kind by letting you gather grain with his young women. Tonight, he'll be uh, winnowing barley at the threshing floor. Now do as I tell you. Take a bath, put on perfume, and dress in your nicest clothes. Then go to the threshing floor, but don't let Boaz see you until he has finished eating and drinking. Be sure to notice where he lies down. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down there. He will tell you what to do. I will do everything you say, Ruth replied. So she went down to the threshing floor that night and followed the instructions of her mother-in-law. Verse 7, after Boaz had finished eating and drinking and was in good spirits, he lay down at the far end of the grain pile and went to sleep. Then Ruth came quietly, uncovered his feet, and lay down. Around uh, midnight, Boaz suddenly woke up and turned over. He was surprised to find a woman lying at his feet. Who are you? he asked. I am your servant, Ruth, she replied. Spread the corner of your coverings over me, for you are my family redeemer. The Lord bless you, my daughter, Boaz exclaimed. You are showing even more family loyalty now than you did before, for you have not gone after a younger man, whether rich or poor. Now don't worry about a thing, my daughter. I will do what is necessary, for everyone in town knows you are a virtuous woman. But while it's true I am one of your family redeemers, there is another man who is more closely related to you than I am. Stay here tonight, and in the morning I will talk with him. If he is willing to redeem you, very well. Let him marry you. But if he is not willing, then as surely as the Lord lives, I will redeem you myself. Now lie down until morning. So Ruth lay at Boaz's feet until the morning, but she got up before it was light enough for people to recognize each other. For Boaz had said, no one must know a woman was here at the threshing floor. Then Boaz said to her, bring your cloak and spread it out. He measured six scoops of barley into the cloak and placed it on her back. And then he returned, um, then he returned to the town. When Ruth went back to her mother-in-law, Naomi asked, what had happened, my daughter? Ruth told Naomi everything Boaz had done for her. And she added, he gave me these six scoops of barley and said, don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. Then Naomi said to her, just be patient, my daughter, until we hear what happens. The man won't rest until he has settled things today. The word of the Lord. Man, so there's there's some really, really good stuff. Um, and really kind of understanding this uh, principle of being redeemed um, as a family and as a line, uh, it comes out of Deuteronomy 25, verse 5, and it's basically 5 to like 10 or something like that. And um, and it basically is saying like, so uh, as we see that both Naomi and Ruth uh, had their husbands die and they're both widows, um, you know, and so Ruth is sitting there going, all right, but who in the family, usually it's the brother of the husband that died um, that would come in and then marry Ruth in this case. Um, but we're not seeing a brother. We're actually seeing a brother of uh, Naomi's husband. 
right? That's who uh, Boaz is. He's an older man. He's not actually of Ruth's age. Uh, he's much older, much wiser. Uh, and we see that in his in Boaz's way of doing business, that he's very kind uh, and generous to those around him and also those that work his land. Uh, he's a very good boss. He's, you know, he's not slave driving it um, as we would, you know, in our custom of understanding that terminology, he's not doing that. Uh, we see earlier that, you know, he's making sure that those that are kind of the ladies that are gleaming from, uh, you know, the round the edges of his farm there, that he takes care of them, that there's even, they make sure that he even leaves some out for them uh, and that nobody bothers them. Uh, so there's this element of grace. There's this element of just caring for others. Uh, and we understand that Ruth is not an Israelite, right? It, Ruth is not Jewish. Uh, she she's a Moabite, but she marries into the family. Um, and there's a level that even Boaz understands that, guess what? People be peopley, right? And so uh, he knows that actually, if I don't keep her under my wing, somebody in the town, other people, regardless of how virtuous she's known as, she's not Jewish. And some can really have um, some hostility towards that. Um and so, but he says, no, uh, I know, you know, I see the virtue in her. I see the loyalty in her. I see that she is loyal to this family and to this nation, uh, if you will, uh, through this. Um, and so uh, he sees her heart. Uh, we see this kind of interesting, you know, Naomi, her mother-in-law tells her, yo, girl, you need to go take a bath and get your perfume and go get your nice dress and do all of that pretty stuff. And you're going to go sneak in, wait till he's done eating, right? There's probably a message in that. Wait till he's done eating. <laughs> I know some guys are probably saying, amen, wait till I'm done eating to bring news, whether it's good or bad. Let me eat. <laughs> all right. Uh, and that's kind of a custom there as well. Like you, it's, it's very rude to kind of bring whatever news, whether it's good, bad, ugly, regardless, uh, let him eat, let him finish drinking and then rest. And then he will be in good frame of mind to absorb the news and make good judgment. Uh, and that's that's a cultural thing that's going on here that we see. Um, so uh, and then it says, hey, you are to go. Then once he lies down, then to go uncover his feet and lay down there. You know, th this just reminds me of like the washing of Jesus's feet. You know, the woman that just comes and she she washes his feet and she uses her hair to even dry it off. And there's just this level of ultimate humility. Um, feet are known as, you know, they're the workhorse. They're the one that they're the body part that's holding you up, taking you place to place and taking on the burden of whatever comes your way that you have to walk over. There's probably a message in that as well. They're taking the burden of what you have to walk over. And so are we tending to those, uh, those parts of us that are walking over all of the hardness of life? And so that's there's the symbolism of taking care of your feet, taking care of what's eating and taking on the brunt of life, taking on 
um, and, and giving care and love to it. And so that's why there's this idea of her laying down at his feet in this level of humility, in this level of submission, in this level of uh, recognizing in a humble way. Um, and, and she's boldly coming to him, right? There's a level of boldness as well as humbleness all at the same time in this act. You know, there's also obedience. She's listening to Naomi. And so she's understanding this redeemer principle that's in the laws um, for Jews. And so Ruth is learning this from Naomi. And then she's saying, and this is normal. We got to also understand this is quite normal for um, the family to bring up this rule uh, as the redeemer uh, to provide and cover and care for Ruth. So there's nothing wrong with what Ruth is doing in a bold way of coming there, uh, but she's even doing it in a way of utter humility uh, that even brings even more honor uh, to the way that she's doing it. And Boaz recognizes it, you know, when he says, you show, uh, you are showing even more family loyalty now than you ever did before. And so this one lets you know that it's okay. <laughs> Um, most of, you know, maybe in our society, we would say like, that would be really bold of her to be pointing out like his duty and all this kind of like, no, like this is showing, um, loyalty. This is showing, uh, care. This is showing love. Um, and, uh, for it, they're looking at it even bigger than themselves, right? This, the whole purpose of the redeemer is not just for that generation, but it's for the generations to come, that the family name doesn't die, that uh, that maintains and grows. Um, and we see that. But we see, I love this line. It's, um, it's verse nine. Who are you? He asked. I am your servant, Ruth. She says, I am your servant. She doesn't say I'm your um, daughter-in-law, sister-in-law, you know, or um, ne- niece-in-law yeah i she doesn't say like what family relation she says i'm your servant which is pretty huge she could be saying something else she could be pointing out um you know uh, the family part of this to say that you owe me for this redeeming thing like you you need to do this but she goes no i'm your servant the utter humility and just what her own identification is in that time uh, is so huge. Um, and it's, it's just seen as a as a major thing of love uh, for him right there. Spread the corner of your covering over me. She's looking for his protection. She's looking for his covering. She's looking for saying, I want to come under your wing. And as I said before, Boaz is a Jesus type. Boaz is uh, the is this early picture uh, of a character of Jesus. Is that are we seeking to be under His wing? Are we seeking to be under His covering? Are we seeking to be, uh, you know, cared for and loved and nurtured and provided by by Him? Are we seeking out Him? And for you are my family redeemer. I had this question. Are we 
Are we willing servants? And there's a big one on that. Not saying I have to be, but I want to be. Are we willing servants to our Redeemer? To our Redeemer, Jesus Christ. Are we willing servants of him? Again, it's not that I have to be a servant of Jesus. It's the I want to be. It's that understanding that I get to be instead of I have to be. And do we seek the covering of our Redeemer or do we seek covering in something else? Where do we seek covering today? Where do we seek uh, that that understanding? Um, Where do we seek that provision? Where do we seek that healing? Where do we seek um, all of those things that just help us get through life? but not just get through life just to get by, but so that we can thrive, so that we can uh, have a holy and righteous life, so that we can also understand the, uh, the power and the purpose that Christ has for us. Do we have that? Are we seeking that out? Or are we finding covering in all of our own fleshly desires? Are we finding covering in our own ways or our own thoughts and how we can get by and how we can just get through the moment? That's that's a common one for us. How do we just get through the moment? Well, I just I just need a drink right now to get through the moment. I just need whatever to get through the moment. Jesus doesn't want you to just get through the moment. He wants you to help you thrive throughout all of life. And the moments are building blocks. The moments are teaching lessons. The moments are character developing times. But we get that and we understand that and we learn that when we seek under his covering, under his provision, under his teaching, under sitting at his feet versus going anywhere else. We see another thing that uh, for everyone in town knows you are a virtuous woman. You know, there's a level that we, we don't need to get wrapped up in what other people think of us too much, but there is a level that we should worry about our reputation. There's a level we should worry about our reputation. We should have this idea of like, are we seen? How are we seen by people? Because there's a level of, when we're seen as virtuous, when we're seen as righteous, when we're seen as uh, somebody that's following the Lord, when we're seen as somebody that's grace-filled, that's loving, that's nurturing, that's caring, uh, but that's also strong and upright. When we're seen as these kinds of people, then people come to us for uh, help, come to us for uh, advice, come to us for that. How do I get through this? Because I've seen you go through it. And I see you on the other side and you, and it, that's what I want to be on the other side of this mess. That's what I want to be on the other side of whatever the situation may be. So are we known as virtuous people? And too often this world is the, the reputation that we're told we need to have is that we need to look rich. We need to look like we have it all together, that we cover up all of our issues that we hide all of our past, that we don't bring up 
stains in our in, in our issues, in our family, in our past, in our actions. And we don't bring up these issues in our past, and, and we hide them, and and we we run from them, and uh, but we make sure that on Instagram and everywhere else that we got to look rich and we have it all together and we drive the right car. But nowhere does it say that if you drive the right car, that means you're virtuous. Nowhere does it say that if you have the right size home with the right number of bedrooms and bathrooms, does it mean that you're humble and loyal? Nowhere does it say that if you're wearing the right clothes, that you're actually somebody of strength and of good character. When we find these, so reputation always matters. Everyone's worried about reputation, whether they want to say it or not, whether they think that I don't care what other people can think about me. There's a level of that's total BS. We know that. We all, to some degree, do care what other people think about us. To some level we do. And so how is it? Are we wanting to look righteous or by doing actually being a Christ follower because we're only made righteous by his blood? Are we looked at as virtuous? Are we looked at as loyal? As we Are we looked at as standing upright and strong and standing for good things? Or are we more self-centered and really just trying to make it big so we get that little blue tick on instagram or something like that so that or maybe we just gotta look good so we get that promotion or we just gotta look good so i look better than the other person next to me and in all reality my actions are backstabbing instead of raising up the team around me at work i raise myself up to look better than the team How do we look to other people? And there's a level that it does matter. It does matter. They always say it's not the fact that you win, but how you won. Right? How did you win? And so we see this where Boaz is being this redeemer, though. Boaz is saying that, and, and he's being honest to the law here. Because he could just say, yeah, I'll do it. I'll be your redeemer automatically. But he's being true to God's word by saying that there is somebody closer as a relative to you. So we're going to do this the right way. We're going to do this and we're going to win, but we're going to win the right way. We're going to follow the rules here. We're going to, okay, so closely related to you, I'm saying that there's another. So we're going to go talk to him first. And make sure he's if he's willing to do it, then then by all means we need to follow the steps. It may not be what we want, but let's follow the steps that the Lord has prescribed for us to do. It may not be the way we want to do it, it may not be the way that our flesh wants us to handle it. We may be thinking we're doing something right with our own understanding or just our, our big heart, but is it out of God's order? Keep things in God's order because there's a bigger and greater reason for all of these things. And it goes beyond 
all of your understanding. It goes to a bigger level of understanding that we have to have faith to see that. We have to have faith to see that. So he says, we're going to go about it the right way. Um, if he's not willing, though, right? Here's the step. If he's not willing, then as surely as the Lord lives, I will redeem you myself. Now lie down until morning. My good family member, my good servant, lie down, get some rest for yourself. We'll take care of you. One way or another, you will be taken care of. And so regardless of whether at this point of the story, we all, I think we kind of know the ending, right? Uh, but in this part of the story, it's, hey, regardless, I'm being a good, loyal family member back to you. By one way or another, you will get taken care of. So you need not worry. So Ruth laid at Boaz's feet until morning. And she got up before and it, and it was light. And this is where she has this consciousness of not only her own reputation, but even his. There's this, hey, it doesn't want to look like the threshing floor was, uh, was an act of sin in there. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get out of here before anybody sees. I'm going to, uh, this conversation, there was nothing wrong with it, but it could look wrong elsewhere. So she's like, I got to get out of here. I'm going to get out of here before light hits. But Boaz continues with this, I'm not just taking care of you, but I have this loyalty to redeem not just Ruth, but my whole family. And he doesn't leave her empty handed. He's like, you, you came to me, you brought up uh, this scenario, this issue um, in humility and in love and in loyalty to the family. You're doing a right thing. You can't go home empty handed to my sister-in-law. You can't go home empty handed. So here's six scoops of barley. That's a good amount. That wasn't a cheap gift. It wasn't a cheap gift. It wasn't massive. Of course, he didn't send her home with like, you know, a 40-pound bag <laughs> hanging off of her shoulder. But six scoop, good scoops of barley will, that'll take care of them for a little bit. It just, it's that I'm, I'm loving on you. I'm going to provide for you. But not only you, but I care about my sister-in-law as well. Both of you are doing the right thing. Both of you are being virtuous. Both of you are uh, going about life in a way that God is prescribing. And also having loyalty to our family and love for all of us. I'm going to take care of you. And so he measured out those six scoops and sends it on her back and gives it back to, uh, as she sends, um, gets sent back to Naomi there. And. So this is that starting as, you know, I don't want to dive into chapter four um, and give it all away if you haven't read the book of Ruth yet. But, um, you know, Boaz is this type of Christ. Later on, uh, much further on, uh, Ruth and Boaz are the line of King David. They're the earlier, they're the, I forgot if it's grandfather or great grandfather, uh, but King David comes. 
from this line. And we all know that also from King David and King David's line came Jesus Christ. And so we see this act of that Boaz is not only just being the redeemer, but he's redeeming a woman that isn't even a Jew. She's a Gentile. But she's a Gentile that has said, I recognize who God is. And I want to be part of his people. And Boaz sees the love of God in her. Boaz sees all of this going on. And he has that grace and that strength in this whole scenario. The same as what we see in Christ. We see that Boaz is, um, he meets all of these qualifications to be the redeemer. He's, he's a relative. He's willing. He's able to perform the duties of being a redeemer. And he's also willing and able to assume all of the obligations in redeeming her and continuing on with this blood. We see that even Boaz, um, the name Boaz means in him is strength. In him is strength. And so today, are we that willing servant of our Redeemer? Are we coming to him humbly? Are we sitting at his feet? Are we willing to say that, yes, I am a child of God, but you know what? I'm your servant. Yeah, I know I'm a child of God, but I want to go to him more as saying, I'm your servant. I'm your willing servant. I know my place in the family. But humbly, I'm here as a willing participant in your kingdom and as your servant. I don't want to throw down my entitlement. I want to throw down my life as being your servant, Lord. So that when I come into your kingdom, good and faithful servant is what he says to me. Welcome, good and faithful servant. And so today, are we humbly coming to our Lord? Are we humbly coming to him? Are we saying, God, I just want to be at your feet. Will you put the edges of your cloak over your servant? Can I just learn from you? Can I just understand from you? Can I allow myself to be provided and protected by you, not my own way? Will you be my healer? Will you be my Lord? And every day, we should just be coming, Lord, I'm your servant. What do you have for me today? And so I pray that this kind of brings out that, that reverence that we have for who he is. And we see the loving grace. We see the loving understanding. We see the loving care that Boaz has for Ruth. And that's the same that our Lord has for us. His arms are open wide. His heart is huge. 
and his hands are loving. And he just wants to pull us in, teach us, and draw us closer. So let's do that today. Let's draw closer to our Redeemer. Let's pray. Father, as we just read this story and we just look at all of this, and Lord, we just pray that one, we're, we're representing you well. We see that we want others to look at us as um, not as being self-centered, but as somebody that's looking, wanting to look like you, wanting to represent you, wanting to uh, share your goodness and your glory, wanting to uh, share your, your virtue through our lives. Lord, we just pray right now that also we just come to you as, as your faithful servants, Lord. We just come to you this morning. What do you have for us today? What do you have for us that you want us to do? What do you have for us that you want to show us? What do you want to teach us today? And Lord, maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's just a reminder today of where we sit, and that we sit at the feet of you. And that that place is comforting, that that place is healing, that that place has provision and protection. Lord, we just love you. We just pray that as we sit at your feet today, whether we're at work, whether we're at home, whether we're driving to work right now, Lord, uh, wherever we're at, I just pray that we're sitting at your feet. I just pray that we're drawing closer to you and allowing ourselves to be under your covering and nothing else. We love you and we pray this all in your precious name. Amen and amen. All right, everyone, we're having another great weekend coming up. We can't wait to see you uh, there. It's communion weekend. Um, all of the construction is going great and all of that good stuff. So come out and see this Sunday. Uh, we'll love to see you then. Uh, on top of that, have a great week. Have a great day. Uh, we'll see you next time. Love you. Take care. God bless.